Hello, Texans fans, and welcome to the program that gets you inside NRG Stadium or outside, as is the case in the mornings, 8 to 10 a.m., first 10 business days of Texans Training Camp with Texans Training Camp Live. But this is Texans All Access, and it's Thursday night, which I know I always say, death and taxes, the general's going to show up, John McClain <laughs> from the Houston Chronicle, and we'll have some highlights of what the general had to say this morning during our program. If you missed those, you want to stay tuned and hear that. But let's begin with some thoughts on today's practice as John Harris joins me. And Johnny, look, we're uh, we're all recovering from another hot day of uh, practice and not <laughs> complaining at all. Not complaining. No, Correct. I will not do it because you think about what the players are going through. My goodness. Yeah. I mean, to play yeah. football. Now they say, you know what? It's, it's actually better because we're doing stuff. We're doing physical exercise out there. Yeah, I guess so. I guess it's better. I guess, you know, with some of the paychecks you guys are getting, I guess it's better. But this yeah. is definitely interesting, what they're yeah. going through right now. And uh, look, two days in, we'll see how it goes. Because, I, you know, normally this time of year, Johnny, I'd say two weeks from tonight, we'll be within whatever yeah. amount of time of the first game. We will not even be 48 hours away from preseason game one, two weeks from tonight. That's yeah. how long we have to go and they have to go before they actually meet up with an opponent that's kind of a long time if you ask me for training camp and that opponent will be the green bay packers august 14th who now have randall cobb um who apparently works for a fortune 500 company now oh please thank you for bringing that up because as opposed to the startup he was with so well, you know, you know look, I get the startup analogy in the sense that the Texans have so many new players and it's it's a new yeah. situation here. However, what people are seeing is the headline or a few select phrases taken out yeah. of what Randall Cobb had to say. He also said that the Texans have a plan. They're on the right path. Yes. He said those things. The headline could have been. Cobb says Texans on right path. Instead, let's go with the more negative one. If it bleeds, yes. it leads. And it's more talk radio. <laughs> I've never heard that before. That's oh, no, pretty no, good. That's, that's an old one. If it oh, bleeds, wow. it leads. No, if it bleeds, it leads. And in sports talk radio, it's if it's not bloody, let's make it bloody. Because, yeah. and I made that one up. Let's create yeah. the blood. Because look, I know he said those things, but he also said Texans are on the right path. They have a plan. Let's go. So I think you can look at it a variety of ways, but I get it. People look at the negative and that's just kind of human nature, really, not just sports media. Yeah. Hey, look, I mean, you're right. I listened to that full, like soup to nuts of that full quote. And he spent more time actually talking about the Texans than he did talking about the Packers, which I thought was interesting. Um, but I, I kind of said that in jest. I mean, to say, you know, the Packers are a Fortune 500 company. I mean, look, the Packers have been around since 1920. They should be a Fortune 500 company. Um, and the Texans, it, we've talked about this, I mean, how many times? I mean, they have so many new players. I mean, there's a reason there's a lot of new players here. But to your point, ask me about, about practice. I thought Phil Lindsay really, it's interesting that he's here. And I say that because, He's constantly got a chip on his shoulder, constantly having a chip on his shoulder. And now he's in the one place where it feels like every single guy in the locker room seemingly has a chip on his shoulder. Signed a one-year deal, trying to prove it at the age of 31, trying to show they still got it, trying to show that 2020 was an aberration. I mean, the number of guys you can go through that fit all in those categories – 
uh, for this team, it's it's sort of it's sort of amazing, really. But the fact that Phil Lindsay is here sort of epitomizes what this team hopefully will be all about. And I thought it was interesting. I think it was a couple of years ago. I think it was a couple of years ago. Bill O'Brien made this big deal about and we saw these TV shirts around uh, the, the building at Energy Stadium. It just put, said grit on them. And yeah. when you think about the, the definition of grit, you know, people that, you know, it's gritty. It's tough. It's. You know, it's the stuff you get in your fingernails when you do so much hard work. I look at this 2021 team now, and I see grit because that's what they've got. They've got grit. And I think there's a toughness and a mental toughness with this group. Now, does it result in 12 wins and going 12 and 5 into the playoffs? I, I don't know. But I do know that the guys that I watch out there, every, I mean – they it was two hours of 90 plus outside, hot as can be. And I'll give you a great example of this. I wrote this in my, my observations, my Harris hits. They were running a team drill. It's about two hours into practice. Trod Taylor is 11th year. I think uh, I think this is 11th year, 11th training camp. It's a it's day two of training camp. They run a bootleg. He very easily can just flip the ball, you know, kind of show it out there, run the bootleg, throw it, whatever. He gave the best play fake off the boot that you could ever see. I mean, it was just perfect. He boots out. Anthony Auclair is wide open. He's able to flip it to him, and away you go. And I thought about that, and I thought younger players, day two of training camp, they're just like, nah, whatever. These guys are really kind of minding the P's and Q's, the details, really paying attention to them. And when you have a number of vets, those guys are paying attention to details that much more. And I think it was a great example of what we're seeing. I have not seen a lot of false starts. I haven't seen a number of offsides. I haven't seen a number of really blown assignments for the most part. And look, I know it's practice, but that's honestly when things like that Kind of happen. Yeah. Do some different things, but we haven't seen that. I, I mean, I remember. I mean, Bill O'Brien would just flip his lid when, you know, guys would jump offside in practice. I mean, it would just go on. But you haven't you haven't seen that. That hasn't been out there. Things have been clean. There look, there have been drops and there have been a couple of fumbles here or there. Uh, but for the most part, things have been pretty clean. And I think that's indicative of what hopefully we're going to be able to see with this team. Um, is it may not be you know, throw the ball down the field seven yards um, like, you know, they were able to do with Deshaun and maybe some of the guys they had here. But it's going to be, I think, pretty consistent football, hopefully, and tough football, tough football with some grit, and I can get behind that for sure. Guys who made plays today, and by the way, yes, it's Texans All Access, and yes, uh, Watson was out there. It's a day-to-day thing. I mean, that's really all I have to say about it right now. I mean, we're just waiting and seeing what, if anything's going to happen. And it was more of a Taylor Mills Driscoll kind of day again. Yep. Uh, and Ford did a few individual things and that was it. So that's the quarterback report. Although we will talk about more of what the quarterbacks did as part of the team unit today, Johnny, because you mentioned the cleanliness of it all and you know, you put it really well. It looks cleaner than I thought it might for this time yes. of year, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I don't know if that says bad things about the defense, but I actually think the defense can be pretty good with this 4-3 Lovey Smith has put in and the new mm-hmm. guys they have. So 
you know, I don't know how to feel about it. I really would love to see joint practices because you want to see how you measure up. We're going to have to wait till Green Bay to get any kind of indicator. Yeah. And look, we'll have overreaction either way. If the Texans really look great that night, we'll say, oh, my gosh, this team was 13-3, and three, the Packers, even if Jordan Love gets the start and Rodgers doesn't play at all. Uh, if the Texans don't look good, we'll say, oh, no, oh, no, what's going to happen? Not we, but yeah. the media collectively, whatever. Right. But let's talk about some guys who made plays today. In fact, a guy we're going to hear from tonight, who you and I had a chance to catch up with, Vincent Taylor, VT, uh, one of those guys who's hard not to notice out there, right? Absolutely. Yeah, he he made a couple of plays today. He had one. I think you and I are standing next to each other uh, to our left during a, a team drill, two-spot drill, and he just knifed into the backfield and was able to make what would have been a TFL, just showing the quickness that I know he has, and he showed it. And then he had one other uh, play later. I think it was in a team drill where he went up, knocked a pass down or batted a pass down. He just does some different things. And, and he kind of epitomizes what I was talking about earlier with grit. And talking to him was as fun an interview, man. It was really a good time mm-hmm. talking to him just about how he got to how he got to Texas, not to Houston, but growing up as a kid in New Orleans and then Katrina having to move to, to Texas and then out to San Antonio uh, where he went to high school. And he's just a fun guy, but he's also the kind of veteran you want to have around because I watched him during practice, and he's very helpful with the young guys. He was really impressed with watching. Mark, I'm glad you went to the defensive line because I saw some guys in the defensive line today do some things. And, look, they don't have pads on, so I I, I get it. So I understand. Yeah. But there's some things that you can see with or without pads. Mm -hmm. And I watched – they did one – one pass rush drill, one-on-ones. It's, it's the one drill I always, whenever they put pads on, I make sure that I try and get front and center to see. But they've been, they've been doing it without pads. And I know people are like, they can't do that. That's OTAs. You can't make contact. You just have to keep contact to a minimum. Anyways, they're doing one-on-ones. I look down there. So I watch the first rep, and it's Titus against Whitney. It's a pretty good stalemate. The next rep is Charles Amenahu. And I can't remember who he's going against. They're kind of mixing and matching up front. And Charles just went to what? And all of a sudden, like inside move, I'm like, whoa. Wait, what was that sound again? What was that sound effect? It's like, you know, kind of a, you know, the old school, like I cartoon. Hear it again. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know I how like to get it, but something to that extent. I mean, it's radio, so we one. can record it and then we can make it hockey. <laughs> but he makes this move, just throws hands, and it's, it's fantastic. And I'm like, wow. So, okay. So, I write down in my notes. Charles, okay, good. Then I watch. I turn around. I watch some of the seven-on-seven. I turn back and I watch. And it's Ross Blacklock. And Ross is going against Max Sharping and just tries the bull rush move. And I'm, I, I kind of was – I don't know. I, I'll be honest. I was a little perturbed. I was like, Ross, come on, man. This is when you work on things. Come on. Be that guy. And I don't know if I sent a subliminal message or if the coaches saw the same thing. Because a few reps later, I looked back down there, and Ross was going again. And, Mark, I have not seen Ross move like that since he's been with Houston. And he was lined up again, and he, the ball was snapped, and he took off like a shot and then just slug and rip under, and I just went, whoa. I mean, it was as explosive as anything he's done. And I just remember, like, I almost wanted to run on the field and just go, that's what we need. That's what we need from him <laughs> because he can be that kind of guy. He can be that kind of guy. 
Mm-hmm. But then I watched Charles Amenahu during team going against Laramie. Darts outside, comes back inside with the rip move, beats Laramie, gets to Tarad. Tarad's able to throw the scramble and throw the ball away because, you know, Charles is not going to sack him. But I'm watching Charles, and I'm like, man, that he's got really good pass rush skills. Like, all those things he puts on Instagram, he's been working. Like, he's been working yeah. at it. He works at that. I just want Charles to be better against the run because if Charles can be better against the run, then you're looking at a guy that can be a three-down player. But if you put him out there to rush, you can put him out there to rush against anybody. He's so long. He's so athletic. And really, he's learning how to use all of it. And mm. it's really, it really shows. But when Ross Blacklock rushes like that and does things like that, that gets me really, like, pumped and, and in, in some sense frustrated. Like, that's what we got to have because if Ross Blacklock plays at that level – and Malik Collins and VT are playing at the level they're showing right now, along with Brandon Dunn, along with the rookie Ray Lopez, Jaleel man, Johnson. Be better. Yes, Jaleel Johnson. You could be as you could be as good on the inside as you've been, but you got to have Ross Blacklock do those things and do those things well and play at that level. Like, okay, you turn it up to volume ten. Why were you pissed off because the coach? Uh, got mad at you or that I was sending you bad subliminal messages or whatever. I don't know. Mm. Whatever got you mad, whatever got you upset to play that way, to make that play, go find it. Go do Bobby Boucher water boy and find it and go do that every play uh, and become the player we all know that you can be. So Ross Blacklock to me is the key. And that, that rep showed me that's the guy he can be. And that's the guy we need him to be. Boy, when they put Malik Collins and Jaleel Johnson up there together, you know, I love seeing two guys who are over 310, 320 in the middle of yep. that 4-3. You just yep. feel like, okay, you're not running up the middle. You know, try yep. your luck outside because you're not coming through the middle here. And yep. it just looks different than anything I've seen around here in a long time. I mean, even when they were 4-3 from 2006 through 2010, Look, the highest ranked defense they had in that time was 13th in 2009 when they had their first winning season. They just never quite had that presence up front. You know, they had Mario yep. for a while. They had some guys at like Travis Johnson. He had he flashed and everything, but they just didn't have that consistency and the size that you're yep. looking for up front, especially at, you know, the interior positions. Right. So that was exciting to see for me. You know what else is exciting? McLean in the morning. He could have his own morning show because he's on with us every morning during Texans training camp live. And we visited with him this morning. And here's some McLean highlights. Let's start it off with some of his observations from day one of practice after he got through the initial quarterback stuff. I was trying to watch the other quarterbacks and the receivers, specifically Anthony Miller in his first practice. He's trying to learn the system, get a crash course, and I thought he looked really good running his routes, coming out of his routes, catching the ball, turning it up the field. But it's like you said, they're not pads. Nobody's covered them. And then Nico (laughs) Collins, we're always going to watch him because Mm -hmm. when you take two draft choices to get back in the third round, take a receiver, highly recommended by Pep Hamilton, then the guy's got talent. They've never had a receiver 6'4", 215. He could run a 4-4-1. And he just he stands out. And the guy that I've expected all along to start opposite Brandon Cooks is Chris Conley. You know, Chris mm-hmm. Conley had 40 and 49 catches last two years for Jacksonville. 
He I looked it up at his combine. He ran a four three five coming out of Georgia, third round pick, Kansas City. So the Texans know him well for playing against him the last two years with the Jaguars, and then before that, the Chiefs. So those were the ma- three main receivers I was watching, and then. You know, you can't tell anything about linemen or running backs other than backs catching a ball. And uh, I think it'd be great if Max Sharping could hold down the starting left job where he did so well as a rookie and slacked off last year. But uh, with uh, Lane Taylor out, I think that Lane Taylor, if he's healthy, he's going to start because he's mm. played for James Campen before. Last year he was Green Bay's starting right guard going into the season. Well, that'd be a nice spot for him here. But then he had a torn biceps, then he had a knee injury, and it was a washout. But he got a lot of a lot of R&R rehab and rest last season. So once he is able to be on the roster at, or return to practice, I'm really eager to see Lane Taylor at right guard. Offensive line, I think, is going to be better than a lot of people think, especially since they're going to get to run block a lot. You guys talk about and mentioned Nico Collins. I've been around here probably shake, shaking the hand of every wide receiver, I think, on this mm-hmm. that's been through here, uh, including number 10 from a few years ago. I don't think anybody has the hand size of Nico Collins. I mean, I went to shake his hand, and I mean, he's a big guy. We've been around big guys. His hands swallow mine. His hands are massive and strong. I was like, yo, that's an Adrian Peterson grip. So hopefully he can evolve every single day. And I, and that's the thing. And I just told him, I said real fast, I said, just be here every day. Because yeah. how many times have we seen rookies yeah. have a couple of good days, and then right. all of a sudden it's like, ah, they got a tweak. They got a, got a little hammy a little hammy thing. No good. And it's like, oh, then it's three days missing, and then you're you know, behind schedule. John, at that point, watching the receivers, and, of course, the circus, like you said, that was going on. What did you watch of Terod Taylor and Davis Mills in particular, those two guys, and what did you think of them throwing the rock yesterday? Mills, we already knew from watching him in OTAs, he's got a really good arm. We know he's very smart. And the other thing about him is people act like he's a statue. He's not a statue. He can move. He's not Watson, but how many guys are Watson when it comes to uh, making plays off schedule? But Mills can move. He can move right. He can move left. And he's got the size. He just looks like an NFL quarterback. But he's a long way from being an NFL quarterback. But it's fascinating to watch his development. Yeah, it is, because I, I think it was kind of a hidden story yesterday. You know, yeah. here he is running with the twos. Now, if there was no presence of four, the two situation would be very much looked at by the media. Oh, all right, so ahead of Driscoll for now, I guess. And look, that could change today. Maybe Driscoll's yeah. two today or however they want to work it because it's training camp, but they do mix things up a little bit. General, I wrote something about this defensive line yesterday, and, you know, I like watching these guys operate so far. Again, until they get at the pads, we don't know. But there's a lot of potential up there with all the new bodies they brought in. They got a lot of – they got two guys back that it's a crucial season for them, Charles Amenahu and Ross Blacklock. Brandon Dunn, of course, coming back from hip surgery. He was out there at tackle. They really liked Malik Collins at left tackle. Malik Collins played really well for the Cowboys. Then goes to Vegas and didn't play so well. So he should be hungry, and he, sh- he should have a chip on his shoulder. And um, I'm, they've got a lot of depth in the line. And I think that they don't have alignment on one of their lists. There's so many players are on those different lists. But to me, that's the most competitive thing about the defense. And the thing that is, is of course, they could, they have, they're going to have all new starters unless Brandon Dunn can hold down a tackle job. 
We mentioned, uh, I mentioned this yesterday, John, near the end of the show. I mean, obviously everybody was watching what was going on with, with Deshaun, and I looked out there and I saw number 28. And I was like, man, 28. I was like, oh, he's wearing blue. He's offense. Like, wait, who is Rex Burkhead? And, and I don't know that how many people expected him to be ready for day one at training camp. And we talked I about didn't. it. I thought he'd be on PUP. Yeah, exactly. And so that was kind of my, my thought. Because now when we talked to David Johnson, I remember him saying, well, there are three running backs. He kept saying three running backs. And we're like, wait a second. What, <laughs> what about Burkhead? Oh, well, he probably won't be. I, I didn't think he would be here like you. But he was here yesterday. Now you got four guys at running back that all have experience in this league. You talked about it yesterday a little bit about somebody's going to have to play special teams. They're not all four going to make it. Do you see a scenario where they all four could make it? Not unless you don't care about special teams. I mean, and they do. I'm guessing maybe they've got other guys to do it, but Buddy Howell's there for one reason. He's been mm-hmm. a really good special teams player. Maybe the new regime doesn't want a guy like that. Uh, I mean, Burkhead, he came from the right place. New England, that's for sure. He's never been a regular starter. The things he does off the bench, catching a ball, they got three other guys that can catch the ball. You know, Mark Mark Ingram was a really good receiver. He had 15 touchdowns in 2019. And then Phillip Lindsay's a good receiver, and David Johnson's a great receiver. So being a receiver in the fourth back may not help you as much. But the fact that he's out here is the reason they signed him. Obviously, Nick Casario knows Rex Burkhead very well. People wonder, well, why are they signing him coming off knee surgery at his age? Well, part of it is is him behind the scenes, him as a leader, him as showing a lot of the young guys how you do it. And considering we all thought he wouldn't be out here for the start of camp, and he was, shows his makeup and also how hard he worked in his rehabilitation. So, uh, they they have options. That's what you want. You want yep. competition. They call it. I call it options. They got a lot of options at running back, but it's obvious they're going to have injuries. They got a 17 game schedule. To me now, mm. you got to have three. You can't have a David Johnson, Duke Johnson. Then you throw up a white flag. Okay, John. Either or, stud one running back, Derrick Henry type, or running back by committee. Well, anybody that wouldn't take Derrick Henry has got to okay, be, be on Pluto or Uranus. He's the MVP, John. I know. I know. He, okay, take Derrick Henry out. Of course you take Derrick Henry. I know you take Derrick. Okay, bad bad example. Ezekiel mm-hmm. Elliott or running back by committee. Because now you got to pay that Ezekiel Elliott, but running back mm-hmm. by committee. And if Ezekiel Elliott goes down, what do you got Who's the quarterback? Well, you, <laughs> make, also, you make sure you got good backups like the Cowboy does, Cowboys do. So Man, y'all are ruining my Zeke, either If Zeke Elliott was here, then maybe David Johnson would be, but they could have Ingram and Phillip Lindsay. So uh, I think you always want the stud running back because he can affect the game in so many different ways. But I'm not I, – I think it's good the way the Texans have been constructed. Now, maybe they would love for – David Johnson to have the kind of year he had in yep. 2015, then uh, but and if he did, he would be the guy all the time getting rest, of course. But the way they're going to do it, they got a good power back in Ingram. They got a guy Lindsey who's undersized but can run between the tackles and upside, and then they got Johnson who can run and catch, and then Burkhead who can catch and mix in a run every once in a while. I don't remember this team having this kind of depth at running back. It's a lot to yeah. ask to have David Johnson have the kind of year he had his first couple of years in the league, but I don't think it's a lot to ask to say, hey, do what you did the last three games of last year mm-hmm. and then have Philip Lindsay step up because, hey, he's never had a drop-off. If he's healthy, there's no drop-off. He'll be good. So those two guys alone, plus Ingram, should make it interesting. 
David Johnson, he had not missed those four games with a concussion, would have been like 935 yards rushing. He would add 1,500, 1,600 yards, and he'd been in total, and he would have been in double figures in touchdowns. I think before the season, anybody, if you'd ask him, would you take that, they would say, heck, yeah, we'd take that. But he's got to stay healthy, and if he doesn't, they got options now besides Duke Johnson, who still hasn't been signed as far as I know. There he is, John McClain, the general from the Houston Chronicle. We visit with him every morning at about 8.15 or so during Texans Training Camp Live at the Houston Methodist Training Center. Now, coming up on the program, we mentioned him briefly. You want to hear from this guy, very entertaining player, played at Oklahoma State, Hurricane Katrina, evacuee, came to Houston, grew up in San Antonio the rest of the way. Vincent Taylor coming up next on Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you, Texans All Access, as we do the evening program, we do the morning program, we do a lot this time of year, actually every time of year, but this is really fun and busy and a lot of stuff to talk about with all these players, these 50-some new players for the Houston Texans out there on the field every day at the Houston Methodist Training Center. So we caught up with one of them, Vincent Taylor, on the eve of training camp. This is a big dude, big dude. Hey, the word dude has been used a lot today because Philip Lindsay used it to describe just about every running back in the running back room. But Vincent Taylor, Johnny uses it a lot too to describe players. Taylor, 6'3", listed at 3'11", from Oklahoma State, Born in New Orleans, came here because of Katrina, then went to San Antonio to play high school ball. Why don't we let him tell it? And he's in his fifth year in the NFL, so he's been around the block a bit, but he's playing with a lot of brand-new players. Well, it's new, you know. I just like to have fun, and uh, everybody, like I tell a lot of people, it's a new team, so everybody getting familiar with each other. But I'm a people's person, so I think that's pretty much why I get along with a lot of people. VT, the offensive linemen always say, hey, we're the tightest group. Look at us. We're always the tightest group. But over the years, I've seen the defensive line be a pretty tight and close-knit group. How important is that for the D-line to feel that group, that camaraderie of being the D-line? How how important is that? Uh, it's very important. You know, we hear Coach uh, talk about it every time they start up front, and uh, whether that's offensive line or defensive line. And I think – we as defensive line, we very close. You know, we hang out outside of the facility. Uh, we make sure we do the right thing with the COVID protocol. So we just try to hang out outside of the facility. I think it's very important that we have that come out, uh, that chemistry. Just because if we run in a game, we got to make sure we're on the same page. Trust. So yeah, trust is very big. So we got to make sure everybody on the same page. And I think we're pretty much a close unit. So what do you think of training camp in Houston as far as the weather? I know you had some off-season practices as well. You've been through a camp with the Dolphins mm-hmm. in South Florida. It's very humid there. So very. what about that dynamic? I done been in Miami where once you get past that first period, your your, your shoes super wet. You got to switch <laughs> out your shoes. So, man, it's, it's very hot out here, so I'm kind of used to it. But I like I tell, I tell a guy, I'm going to still wear my long sleeve regardless, you know, no matter how mm-hmm. hot it is just to protect my skin, but it's going to be very hot. But at the end of the day, it come down, it's a mental thing. You know, it's a mind over matter thing. Uh, you know, it's a grind. So we all got to just stick together and get through it. Man, I knew I loved you when you walked in. I wear sleeves all the time. Yeah. The same thing. I mean, you can see the you can see the tan on my hand of the long sleeves I wear when I'm outside. Yeah, you see me, huh? Yeah, exactly. I, why Houston? What, what about Houston made sense for you to come here at this time? 
Man, it's crazy because actually before I went to Cleveland last year when I left Buffalo, uh, my agent actually called me like the day before I signed with Cleveland. He was like, how you feel about Houston? So Houston was always a team that was interested in yeah. me. And then, uh, like I tell people, uh, whether I would have signed with Houston or not, I bought a house out here because uh, Houston always was a place that I uh, called home. You know, when yeah. I left New Orleans mm -hmm. uh, due to Katrina, I came to Houston. Then yeah. I went to San Antonio. So Houston was always a place that was home for me. So when I got the opportunity, it was only right. So what do you remember about leaving New Orleans during Katrina? Because, you know, you have the Astrodome right here. Right. We had a lot of people from New Orleans there. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people did other things. Right. And you end up in San Antonio after that. But what can you tell us about that experience? Well, it was tough. You know, I wouldn't wish that on my, my worst enemy. You know, uh, me being a little boy at the time is something that, you know, I always remember. I got uh, a lot of people know I got the date that Katrina hit on my arm, tattooed on my yeah. arm. And, uh, you know, uh, it's something. Everybody got a story, you know, and just. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's story is different. And Katrina, that just happened to be something that I went through in my life. And like I said, there's always something that's going to always stick with me and motivate me. I know you said you were younger when you went through that, and you were. How do you feel like it shaped you over the years? I mean, you come to Houston, a place that, you know, Houston and New Orleans, obviously, you know, right. not too far apart, but they can be worlds apart mm -hmm. um, just based on, you know, those two particular cities. And then you talk about San Antonio. Right. How did it shape you? I think, How do you feel it shaped you as you've grown through the years? I think uh, Katrina made me who I am as uh, who I am right now as a person. You know, I think it was meant for me. I wouldn't say meant for me to go through that. It was just a part of my journey. You know, yeah. things happen. And uh, I think uh, without Katrina, I tell a lot of people just growing up in New Orleans and knowing what kind of city it is, it ain't easy to live in New Orleans. So I think Katrina probably was the best thing that could happen to me and my yeah. family. And just knowing that to see where I'm at right now uh, today in my life, I think you know, that was, that was something that I had to go through to make me who I am today. All right, you went to Oklahoma State. Were there other options for you? What made you decide to become a Cowboy? Man, coming from New Orleans at the time, you know, football is big in Texas. And uh, I remember Baylor University was my first offer. Mm -hmm. And uh, they came to my school during the athletic period and offered me a scholarship. And me, the whole process was new to me coming from New Orleans to Texas. So I'm like, I was ready to commit right in and now. Yeah. I called my dad and everything. He was ready to come to the school, and I was about to commit to Bella. But some, like, people at my high school, they were like, just wait your option out. You know, a lot of offers going to be coming. And then I wound up going on to a visit at Oklahoma State. And, man, I just, they took me to a party, and it felt <laughs> like home. I, once they took me to that party, that was that was it. That, that got me drawn to the school. And, uh, mm -hmm. look again, look, look where I'm at today. You know, I was able to graduate from Oklahoma State, and now, you know, I'm going into my fifth year in the NFL. Vincent, for those people that haven't seen you play, mm -hmm. maybe some Texas fans out there haven't seen you play, what can you tell those fans about what you're bringing to the table when you get on the field? Uh, without a doubt, I'm looking to come in there and, you know, help the team out, whether that's stop the run. And, uh, you know, I'm always do my thing on field goal block. You know, that's something I take very serious. So, you know, uh, I'm going to get my hand on a few blocks this year. I'm going to stop the run and do what I got to do to contribute to this team. I want to get back to Oklahoma State for a moment with OU and Texas wanting to go to the SEC. Yeah. What do you think of that, and what do you think should happen to OSU and the Big 12, the rest of it? Uh, that's funny because I feel like, you know, uh, like I tell people, every year that I was at Oklahoma State, uh, I had a chance to play for the Big 12 championship, and we always yeah. came up short playing against OU. So with OU losing, uh, with, o with OU leaving, I feel like Oklahoma State is that next team up in the Big 12 to win that, win that conference. So – uh, I think it'll be good for them, and uh, even though they leave, and I think they'll bring in two other great teams to replace them. But uh, I think Cowboys will have a chance to win that uh, conference next year, or uh, whenever has, they leave. Who has better hair, you or Mike Gundy? 
You know, you know, Gundy had the mullet going. You can't, you can't beat he that. He cut the mullet before media days. <laughs> right, right. I seen that. Uh, it, that's crazy. Uh, he cut it, but I think he'll grow it back out depending on how his son, his son's doing. You know. Yeah, he's got to cut that. <laughs> he's he's got got to keep it. Actually, okay. You ready for some either ors? Yes, sir. It's very simple. It's A or B. We'll start with this. You got to pick a new professional sport. No longer playing football, but you're gonna go be a star in either. The Premier League in soccer or Major League Baseball? I have to say baseball. Soccer, that's a different sport. I mean, baseball is different too, but I I think it's more easier to hit a ball than to try to kick it with your feet. All right, I got you. <laughs> okay. I know the – I'm not going to ask the Bird Curry. I'll ask you real quick. Larry Bird or Steph Curry? I mean, the, the way the game is today is two different games. I think I got to go with Steph Curry. Okay. okay. I, I get your point. I'm, I'm okay but with that. he'll pick Kobe if you throw Kobe and Curry right, in Kobe there. Kobe or Steph? I gotta go with Kobe. You gotta go See? with Mama. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, Kobe. It's funny because I was of, you know, we were kind of Bird, Magic, Jordan, right? But then there was Kobe, and then Steph has kind of been more yeah. of of the younger guys. Mm-hmm. And but Kobe's the one that really has kind of hit for a lot of guys that we've had come through here. So Kobe for sure. So a lot of guys would pick Kobe over LeBron. Yes, right. Which, I think some people would find crazy. I'm going LeBron. I mean, I'm biased to that. I'm picking LeBron over whoever you. I'll take LeBron over everybody. If I could take Kobe's mentality and put it in LeBron. LeBron. Oh, that's a a different animal. Yeah. Uh, Instagram or TikTok? Instagram. I don't do TikTok. (laughs) Instagram or Facebook? Instagram. Okay, good. Jay-Z or Kanye? Jay-Z. I don't really bang too much Kanye. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Um. You're going to win an Olympic gold medal. Do you want it to be in either swimming or gymnastics? Swimming. I think swimming more easier than to try to move my 300 pounds trying to get on the balance beam. So I got, I got to go with swimming. <laughs> you just gave me, a real, you gave me a great visual. Okay. You went to Oklahoma State. You talked about that. I'm going to take you back to high school, and I'm going to wipe that away. You can't mm-hmm. go to Oklahoma State, and I'm giving you two options. Either OU – or Texas? I got to go Texas because I think even if Texas would have offered me, I probably would have went to Texas over even, you know what I'm saying, the school I mm-hmm. went to. Everybody yeah. Growing up in Texas, everybody wanted to be a long home, so I yeah. picked Texas over OU for sure. It worked out better for you than going to Oklahoma State. Yeah. Yes, sir. Way, way better. Last one. If you weren't playing ball, you'd either be in the media or own a food truck. Probably food truck. Me, and, me being from New Orleans, you know, we we yeah. known for food and meals. I got to say food truck. <laughs> yeah. What would your food truck be? Would you make it Cajun? Cajun for sure, yeah, because you can't get good good gumbo and stuff everywhere. So Cajun right, for there sure. You go. I like good it. Good point. I like it. Vincent, thanks so much for being with us. Appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for having me. Vincent Taylor joining us on Texans Radio. Great visit with him. Now, Jordan Akins has been around for a while. Feels like one of the salty veterans on this team. D.P. Sidhu catches up with him next on Texans Radio. Great to have you listening to Texans Radio tonight as camp is underway. And, man, so many stories. I know that there's one huge, humongous story that most people covering the team are focused on. But I think people are starting to dig a little bit deeper. 
deeper into the album cuts, as we call them. There are so many stories on this team, and we've done a lot of them throughout the offseason, but now that we're seeing the team on the field, there's just a lot to talk about with the way this defense is trying to come together with the 4-3, the way the offense is trying to organize itself with some new members on the offensive line, certainly new receivers and quarterbacks and the rest of it. Now let's go around the league a bit before we get to our deep slant interview as Aaron Rodgers has his deal done with Green Bay. A lot of people think there's still a lot of tension between Rodgers and the front office. Okay, we'll see how that plays out. You're dealing with a team that just went 13-3 and two years in a row. These kind of sound like luxury problems to me, but maybe that's just me. We went over the Randall Cobb story in the first segment, some of the things he had to say. Look, I think it's kind of funny he called the Packers a Fortune 500 company and the Texans a startup. Texans with all the new players. I mean, when you bring in 50 new players, I think some of that's fair. It's not that it's such a bad thing. Hey, once upon a time, Microsoft was a startup, right? And the Packers are the oldest team in the National Football League. Texans, the youngest franchise in the NFL. T.J. Watt apparently hasn't participated in team drills for the Steelers since camp opened. Also, J.J. Watt nursing a hamstring. I believe that was the report that I read this morning. And since we're on the former Texan parade here, what about Will Fuller in Miami? suffering an injury in Wednesday's practice. Don't have much more information on him right now. Let's hope Will gets better. But you know what? If you want to sit the one out against Houston this year, that's okay with me. All right, let's get to it. The deep slant interview with former pro baseball player Jordan Akins. Welcome into the Deep Slant 101 presented by Xfinity. Joining me today, year four veteran tight end Jordan Akins, fresh off the practice field. Jordan, Give us a sense of what camp's been like so far. I know it's really early, but you've been making some nice catches. We saw you out there late getting a, a nice diving catch from Tyrod Taylor. How's it been for you so far? It's been very competitive. Um, a lot of competition, great competition. We're pushing each other, making each other better. So, you know, the chemistry is getting there. You know, me and Tyrod, we've been working, and as well as the other tight ends. So, you know, we're trying to bring each other along and win a couple games this year. You are the vet of the group, and tight ends coach Andy Bischoff this offseason said as much, that you're really just a leader in that room. You're willing to do anything um, to learn and get better. But what is it like with this new offense? You still have Tim Kelly there, but then you've got Andy Bischoff, who came from the Ravens. What's it like sort of meshing those two ideas together and, and, and some of the new things you get to do this year? Um, it's great. You know, um, picking, They're picking each other's brain, um, finding ways to get the tight ends more open and get more balls to the tight ends and you know, just doing what works for the team. Um, as, as well as taking a lot of pressure off the wide receivers and the running backs. So, you know, um, the blocking schemes are a lot better. Um, Andy brings a lot to the table, and it's working in our favor. What about you for strengths and weaknesses? What are some things that you've seen you've really gotten better at over the past few years and some things that you still want to work on here in camp? Um, footwork and blocking, um, as well as being more creative in my routes, uh, creating more separation for myself and being more presentable um, for throws, you know, and um, using my body as well as my speed to go and attack the ball. You're such a dynamic receiver. What about the run game? Because Coach Bischoff said that you guys are basically Swiss Army knives. You're asked to do everything. So how do you view the run game and, and sort of the skill set that's needed to uh, run block there? Um, you have to be very physical. Um, you have to be able to go down in the trenches and hold your weight and move some bodies, um, as well as use your speed to get out on the edge of the um, outside zone. And they've been very creative with the run and mixing in the passes. So, you know, it's, um, it's going to work pretty well, I believe. You know, we're going to buy in and, you know, see where it takes us. How about this offseason? What did you get up to? What were you busy working on? Did you get to go anywhere? I know it's a lot different from last year's offseason, but how about yours? Um, this year I focused on my body, healing my body, um, 
a lot of stretching, a lot of body maintenance with my hammies and my calves and, you know, uh, footwork as well, the speed and, um, you know, maintaining my strength as well, you know, getting a little stronger, cutting some fat and picking up more body mass, I mean, uh, muscle mass. So I've noticed that a lot of guys have been changing their numbers, even in the tight ends room. Kahali changed numbers, Brevin Jordan's got the number nine, but you decided to stick with 88. Was there a moment where you thought I might change my number or are you, you really married to the number 88? Um, you know, in high school, I was number five, but I was more like a quarterback and a wide receiver and a prime return, kick return. But, you know, all the greats were 88, so I switched 88 in college, you know, and I've been a tight end, so, you know, a lot of greats, like I say, Tony Gonzalez and a lot of, uh, you know, called a lot of people back in the day were 88. So I'm going to under the number, and hopefully I can be considered a great by the end of my journey. I hope you are, too. And you know what? I like that you kept with 88 because it's really hard to learn people's numbers, especially when they keep changing. But we always know that 88 is Jordan Akins. Jordan, thanks so much for the time, and best of luck for the rest of camp. Thank you. Jordan Akins with DB Sidhu. Jordan, looking good out there, looks bigger. All right, more from camp on Friday with Texans Training Camp Live, 8 to 10 a.m. on Sports Radio 610. The whole Sports Radio 610 gang, actually the morning program and midday program, Landry and Lopez, they are out there live at the Houston Methodist Training Center as well. And we are live before practice every day with Texans Training Camp today, and that airs on HoustonTexans.com, the Texans app, Facebook, Twitter, all the social media stuff we can get on. YouTube as well, live. Unbelievable how many things you can go live on these days. But we're there early on during practice. You can see practice when we are on and you get a push notification on your phone you should have the texans app if you don't please download it immediately and have a great night everyone thank you very much jimmy mudd for producing johnny harris for being on the program we'll be back out there tomorrow at eight john mcclain joins us in the first segment have a great evening and go texans